Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. It's never fun to be on hold, is it? We... uh... The endless menus, you know, push this button, push that button, you're in this infinite loop of one, three, four, you memorize them, you call back, right? Okay, I called this number, I had to hit redial because it hung up on me. I know I gotta hit one, four, seven, three, one, two, oh, back to one, right? Because you're in that infinite loop of menus. Brother Rob had mentioned the cable company. I have a miserable cable company uh, story, and it wasn't that long ago, very recently. I had to call the cable company because they had made a mistake, sent me a device to the wrong address, and I wanted to clear up this address issue, and it was a couple hours of my time. First of all, it was this uh, frustrating a round of, uh, please, God, help me get a human. I'm hitting all these numbers and I keep hearing the same voice. And finally, I got someone who transferred me to someone else who couldn't. I'm like, you're, the, you're like a billion dollar company. You can't fix this little address problem. They had to transfer me again. I had the guy's name, Alex. I pleaded with him, Alex, do not give me your phone number because I know this thing's going to disconnect as soon as you transfer me. It's happened before. Oh no, I don't have a direct line, sir. Come on, I've been on, I was on hold for 45 minutes till I got to the first person. Then they gave me to you. You're gonna send me over to some other department if I lose this. I lose all this time. Give me your phone number. Can't do that, sir. I'll give you, you have my number, right? If this dies, you must call me back. Alex, please, I, I, I got through to the person finally who could help with this what I thought was a very simple problem, but it was an hour and a half of my time. I went over to a, a big box store recently. I had to pick up. I think all of us have been doing this online ordering, right? Where we can just go in the store and pick up. So I've done that a few times, a couple times in the parking lot, but this time I walked in the store. The line was a mile long. So I wasn't on hold, I was in the line. And it was going slow. My patience was being tested. I was standing in line for about 25 minutes to pick up my merchandise. And a man walked in, got behind me, and he was super frustrated. And he began to share his story with me, six feet away, of course. And he said, he said, hey, I've been out in the parking lot 25 minutes. And I said, well, what are you doing out in the parking lot 25 minutes? He said, I've been calling. And I said, oh yeah, I saw that same, you know, I got the email to pick up my, my stuff and it said, hey, make a call when you get to the parking lot and we'll come out and give you your stuff. He said, I have been on hold. It's, it goes in a circle. He said, you press the number, you hear the music. It tells you to press the number again and finally it rings. And then you got to press the number again. And it just keeps going around and around. Nobody in. I said, nobody answers. I got out my phone right then and started a call. And you can hear it ringing in the store. It's like that speaker on the, on the ringer. So the whole entire store hears it. And nobody's answering. And so I, I was laughing with him. I go, yep, here I'm in the infinite loop, just like you said. Terrible. We hate it. It's frustrating. 
Although I was in the car the other day and Julie was just bobbing along. She's just like, hmm, 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 hmm. I'm like, what's going on? What do you? And she, she said, oh, I'm on hold. You know, she can respond differently when you're on hold. She's dancing around. She loved the music. She put it on speakerphone. I said, well, okay, we'll listen to the music. Well, every now and again, someone piped in. Your call's important. Your hold time will, is estimated to be one minute. One minute. Okay, I said one minute. I heard that. I don't know, five minutes later, we get the same thing. You're estimated after listening to the music and bopping around. Your wait time's estimated one minute. Finally, when a human answered, and I'm listening to this on speakerphone. I'm not making this up. It was just the other day, fresh in my mind. Person, a human, finally a human. Thank you for calling our office. Will you please hold? I mean, that's exactly what she said. I was cracking up. Nearly crashed the car. Uh, It was hilarious. But we hate it, don't we? It's frustrating, especially if we feel like God's put us on hold. Nobody likes it. Have you ever felt like you've been put on hold? How about over the past six months? I feel like life's just been on hold for six months. Lord, hello. Lord, what's going on? You ever feel like you've, you've reached heaven's call center, right? We are experiencing currently a very high volume of prayers due to the COVID-19. Your prayer is very important. Please continue to pray. Your prayer will be answered in the order that it was received. You feel like, you feel like God's talking to you like that? I mean, what, what do we do? How do we respond? What can happen when the Lord puts us on hold? Well, God's word is full of examples. The Bible's full of examples where it seems God's put people on hold. It might be a minute, might be a couple hours, might be days, could be centuries. Read, the, read through the books, Genesis, Exodus, Moses and the people, the, the Hebrew people. Well, Moses, he came along 400 years after those folks seemingly were on hold. And what did God say to Moses? He said, I have surely heard the cry of my people crying out because of the slave drivers. In Exodus chapter 3, but that was after 400 years. That's a, that's a long time to be on hold, isn't it? And when we read through the Bible, we see many, many examples of this. What's the first observation that ought to sink in? It's really not that unusual. We hate it. It's frustrating. We feel like we've hit heaven's call center, but it's really not unusual. Abraham must have wondered about God's promise for a son. Years went by. He actually tried to fix it himself make the promise happen, but it was 25 years before his wife Sarah had the promised child. 25 years. And I'm sure he felt like, God, where are you? I'm on hold down here. What's going on? Read through the book of Judges. It was years, years and years where it seemed like God was just silent. And then through the kings and the prophets, read some of the Psalms. Lord, where are you? What's happening? God, you're not hearing And 
you know, that feeling of just like, I, I'm, on, I'm on hold. But remember, it's not unusual. But what do we do in such a time? What do we do? How do we respond if we feel the Lord's put us on hold? I want to look at a biblical uh, example this morning of two people and how they responded. Two women in uh, very similar situations. But each one responded differently. And let's look at their responses. And this account is in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth was during the time of uh, the judges of Israel. After Joshua had led the people into the promised land for about 360 years, the, the people were ruled by what were called judges. There was no king. So sometime during this 360 years, the book of Ruth was set, and it opens with a man named Elimelech, and not really a good situation. Perhaps we might relate, although it was really far worse than what we're experiencing. There was a famine in the land. He lived in Bethlehem, and his family was hurting. So Elimelech decided to move his family to Moab, which was to the east across the Jordan River. He felt like, hey, maybe there's no famine over there. I'll go over there. He took his wife. Her name was Naomi. And he took his two sons, Malon and Kilian. And they went to Moab. But soon... Soon after they went to Moab, Elimelech died. So Ruth found herself, or not Ruth, um, Naomi found herself husbandless, but there was some consolation. Naomi had her two sons, and they found wives. Their names are Orpah and Ruth. And then over the course of 10 years, unfortunately, both Malon and Killian died. So Naomi's situation just went worse. She was a widow, both her sons had passed. And she had no grandchildren. She told her daughter-in-laws, go on back home. Just go back to your families. I'm just, uh, I'm too old to take a husband and to have more sons. Uh, and you're, if, they, if I did have sons that could replace your husbands, you're, you can't wait around while they grow up. That's just not going to work out. Go home. And there was a lot of tears and such between all three of these ladies and where was Naomi with the Lord? What was she thinking? Well, when her daughter-in-laws and her were crying uh, about having to separate their ways, Naomi said this, and it's in Ruth chapter 1, verse 13. She said, it is more bitter for me than you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So what was she feeling? Where was, where was her heart? Well, you girls, you've got it bitter. Yeah, you're both widows. You've lost husbands. But me, I've lost husband. I've lost sons. It's worse for me. It's more bitter for me. And hey, by the way, God's not listening to me. She was bitter. She was embittered against God. He's not listening. As a matter of fact, he's, it's, it's like he's hung up. How could he be listening? From Naomi's perspective, and she said it, God has turned against me. That's where her heart was. So she said to her daughter-in-laws, go back to your families. Her daughter-in-law, Orpah, went. She was gone. But Ruth refused to go. Ruth insisted on staying with Naomi. And Naomi continued to urge her, Ruth, go back. Go back like Orpah. But Ruth would not hear it. And this is 
how it unfolded in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. To uh, Naomi's urging to leave, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Ruth had persisted, and she prevailed. She was going to stay with her mother-in-law. She stayed with Naomi, went back to Bethlehem with her. They made the trek. When they arrived in Bethlehem, all the women were astir. Hey, is this Naomi? We haven't seen her in a long time. And she says, call me Mara, which the definition for Mara is bitterness. This is how she wanted to be known. Known for her bitterness. And why was she bitter? God, it's God's fault. God has made my life very bitter. I was full when I left here. Husband, sons, now I'm empty. God has afflicted me. He brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi is an example of someone who feels they're not getting through to the Lord. She feels God's not only put her on hold, he's hung up. He does not hear her call. Doesn't even want to take it. And how many, how many have had a time in your life where you can say, I can relate? I can relate. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. I'm there. I'm not getting through to the Lord. I'm not getting through. And he keeps putting me in pain. And the problems get more. And the misfortune builds up. And there's trouble. And there's tribulation. Bitter? You bet I'm bitter. How many of us can, can say that? I'm sure there's been times in our lives, even if they're right now, that we can relate to the way that Naomi was feeling. But there's more to her story. When these ladies arrived in Bethlehem, it was the harvest time. And Ruth and Naomi, they needed to eat. So Ruth decided, I'll get some food. And she began to glean in one of the fields that was being harvested. And gleaning's just picking up the leftovers, walking behind the people who are harvesting, picking up what they missed or what drops out of their basket. And it turned out that Ruth was gleaning in a field owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz was related to Ruth through marriage. He was related to her father-in-law, her deceased father-in-law. This Boaz was a relative. And he was kind to her. He was kind. He made sure that she was safe. He invited her to glean through the entire harvest season. You can glean in my wheat fields, glean in my barley fields. And when Naomi had heard of Boaz's kindness, 
This is what she said. It's Ruth 2.20. Naomi said, the Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And that's referring to the Lord. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now there's a turn here in the heart of Naomi. This embittered woman, this woman who wanted to be known for her bitterness, call me bitter, call me Mara. She says, the Lord has not stopped showing his kindness. The Lord, who she had blamed for all of her troubles, the Lord who had emptied her, the Lord who had brought affliction and misfortune upon her. She says, oh, he's not stopped showing kindness. Well, he was watching. He was listening after all. He'd been there the whole time. But it took Naomi a long time to realize this. For years, she'd been bitter. And she finally sees God's kindness has not stopped. When pain and trouble, whatever it is, comes your way, remember Ruth 2.20. Let it remind you to see God's kindness every day. Let it help you not to spiral down into that despair and that depression and that bitterness when you're experiencing all the pain and sorrow that come with life. And remember, it's not unusual. Even if life becomes totally upended like it did for Naomi, and you may feel like God's put you on hold and he's not even listening. God has not stopped being God. God's kindness has not failed. And in this verse, Ruth 2.20, there was one other thing that uh, Naomi said. She revealed something else. Boaz was a close relative. And now she gives this guy uh, a, a title. She acknowledges him as more than just a relative. She said, he is a guardian redeemer. That's what she called him. What is that? What is a guardian redeemer? Well, when God gave the law to Moses, there were provisions in the law for the property of a deceased man to be kept in, in the family. And there was also provision for the family line of that deceased man to continue if he was childless. How did it work? Well, the dead man's brother was supposed to receive his property and then marry his widow if he was childless. And if he didn't have any brothers, then that right went to the next of kin. And it continued to whoever, he, they just followed the bloodline. Well, and the next of kin became known as the kinsman redeemer or the guardian redeemer because it would be guarding the, he, the guardian over the family and the family line. And, and keeping the property and the family all together. So in Ruth 2.20, Naomi said, Boaz is a close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. He's in the line. He's in the line with, this, with his right to redeem the property and to continue the line. Well, Boaz was in this line. 
He'd been there all along too. That hope was always there. When Naomi Naomi was in Moab and she blamed God for all her trouble and her trials, she made no mention of a guardian redeemer. She didn't say, hey, Orpah, Ruth, I got these guardian redeemers back home. Come on with me. They'll get the property. They'll they'll take take us on. You know, we can find husbands for you, etc. No, she's like, go home. She didn't even mention this guardian redeemer. But there was hope there. And in her bitterness... In her bitterness and frustration, she seemed to have forgotten all about that. Now, would this guardian redeemer help? Would Boaz actually be their redeemer? Well, the law of Moses had provision if a person said, well, no, I'm not going to help. There was no guarantee that they were going to help, that they would be that, they had the right to be that, that guardian redeemer. But if they didn't, if they didn't exercise that right, Deuteronomy 25 says, the widow of that deceased man who's saying, hey, you're my guardian redeemer. Come on, take the property, you know, help build the family line. If that, if that person wouldn't do it, the widow was to remove his sandals and spit in his face. Deuteronomy 25. And then it says there too, his family would be known as the family of the unsandaled. And what does that mean? Their feet would be uncovered. Now, when you read through the book of Ruth, you find out uncovering of feet has got something to do with this whole narrative. See, Naomi hatched a plan to remind Boaz that he was the guardian redeemer. And it had to do with Ruth uncovering his feet. So Ruth did that. She did exactly what Naomi had instructed her. It seemed odd, probably. She was from Moab. She didn't know anything about these Hebrew uh, laws, etc. But she did what she was asked. And Boaz understood. He immediately understood it when his feet were uncovered. And he went to the elders of Bethlehem. And in the presence of all the witnesses there, he said this. It's Ruth chapter 4, 9 and 10. Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today, you are my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech and Kilion and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from his family or from his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses. So Ruth became the wife of Boaz Ruth and Boaz soon became parents. They had a baby boy. When their son was born, the women of Bethlehem celebrated. And they remembered Naomi. And they said this. It's Ruth 4.14. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Naomi had been in a place of bitterness. She'd been in a place of frustration and angst, suffering through famine, the upending of her family, moving out of town, tragic loss of husband and sons. To say that she felt that she was on hold, it is an understatement. It's, it, it doesn't even come close to what she was going through. And Naomi's feelings were, God's turned against me. His hand is against me. He's caused all this trouble in my life. Again, yet when we consider life's experiences, 
Her situation is not entirely unusual. We all experience pain and loss and we'll experience sorrow in our life. But when we feel this pain, when you feel this pain, know this, God has not abandoned you. His kindness has not gone away. He's not left you without a guardian redeemer. Boaz was an image. Boaz was a picture of a greater guardian redeemer. His name is Jesus. Our redeemer is with us. He's always with us. He has not abdicated his right to redeem. Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross willingly to redeem us from the penalty of sin and death and hell and the grave. He went to the cross to redeem us from suffering forever. He redeemed us by his blood. So whatever the circumstances, when you're believing God's hands turned against you, it isn't. If you, if you think that he's put you on hold indefinitely, he hasn't. Remember, you've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. Jesus said, yes, I will redeem you. And he did. And he did it in front of many witnesses in a very humble way. He was killed on a cross. And he did it so that our name, my name, your name, whoever believes on him, he did it so that our name will not disappear from the book of life. So don't spiral into despair and bitterness when life's pain and tribulation come along. Know that your Redeemer lives. Respond to the tough times, not as Naomi did and saying, call me bitter. Perhaps it'd be better to respond like Ruth did. How, how can we respond when we're put on hold? If we respond like Ruth Things may go better. She knew pain. She knew suffering. She'd lost a husband. She was a widow. Yet in her time of distress and pain and trial, she didn't look at herself and say, call me bitter. No, she looked outside of herself and she said, I'll serve you. I'll serve you, my mother-in-law. Where you go, I'll go. I'm going to be with you. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. She didn't despair about leaving her homeland and her family. She gave up her life in Moab. She gave up her life and in her positive response of not self-pity and bitterness, but in this attitude of service, she gave up her life and she met her Redeemer. And her life was changed forever. Now, if this isn't a parallel to Jesus, who says, give up your life to gain it. Give up your life, yield it over to your Redeemer. She met her Redeemer and her life changed forever. And that's what Jesus does. Remember, what we're going through is not unusual. We all might think this past six, seven months, it's just been the worst, terrible thing, never, uh, never experienced like by anybody else in the whole world. No, plagues and droughts and famines and trials and tribulations, all these things, they occur in life. It's not that unusual. God hasn't put us into some heavenly call center where it's just looping around. He hasn't put us on hold. He hasn't turned his hand against us. His kindness hasn't stopped. But he was so kind, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as our redeemer. 
So let's put aside any bitterness we might have. Let's, let's look outside ourselves and seek to serve and to serve others. Our Redeemer Jesus, he served by giving his life for the likes of us. Let's never forget that. Let's never, ever, ever forget that. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for this congregation of people. Thank you for this church. They're an amazing group, God. They're an amazing group of people. Thank you for them, God. Thank you for them. And thank you for your word. And just, we pray you'd continue to pour into every one of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lift your hands for a blessing. Everyone here, everyone, wherever you're at, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and grant you peace. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant raised from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great guardian redeemer, equip you with everything for doing good and doing his will and serving others. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.